everybody. We are back. Welcome to another episode of More Than a Title. I'm your host, as usual, Jared Thomas. And before we begin today, guys, I just want to say thank you for the love, man. The views have grown exponentially on every channel, the support, the promotion, the UGC. Like, you guys have really been keeping me uplifting and, and, and keeping me motivated. So I just want to say thank you to everybody following. Thank you for everybody on the check-in. And today we've got a special, special guest. I had this one circled on the calendar for a while, man. So let me just give you a quick introduction. So he's a marketing executive, angel investor, active advocate for the Asian American community. He's held previous brand and digital marketing leadership roles at Stitch Fix, Gap Inc., Airbnb, Snapchat, Nike, and has been awarded um, awards such as the Con Lions, Webby's, Clio's, amongst many others for combining purpose creativity and business results also he's a father he's a husband um and he's just all all around a great dude i've been following him for a while and it's just an honor to have him here so let's please give a warm welcome and introduce our best our guest today eric toda how are you bro i'm doing well i'm doing well man it's good to see you and uh thanks for having me on the show i appreciate it no thank you brother thank you man like i said man i've been following your work for quite some time man and i'll give you some background i actually used to work for con so i might have met you there i'm not sure but um, just some of the creative works that you've done, man, that made me kind of want to get into the agency space. And that's how I got into business develop, biz dev and all that stuff. So I appreciate everything you're doing, man. So let, let's start at the top, brother. Let, how did you get into the to the industry? And uh, yeah, tell us about how, how you kind of led up to, to now where you are at Meta. How did I get in the industry? Um, uh, by accident, um, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, you know, I... I well, first off, a lot of people assume that I went to a really great college and graduated top of my class and studied marketing, and that's how I, you know, like all that's all that stuff. But no, I didn't do any of that. Um, barely graduated high school, uh, went to junior college uh, for a little bit, and then went to uh, the University of Hawaii, um, in which I solely chose Hawaii one because it was far away from my home. I'm from the Bay Area. And shout out the bay, and uh, I just wanted to get away, and I, I just wanted to I, I just wanted to sit on a beach and party. Uh, turns out, not a lot of people go to school there, and so I found that as an opportunity, uh, not just to party, uh, but but to but to certainly excel. And so I triple majored in psychology, criminal justice, and political science, wow. and I wanted to be an attorney. Now, to give you context into why I wanted to be an attorney. Um, Back then, it was 2004, 2003, 2004, and the show Entourage was was just hot. That was like that was it, right? And one of the main characters of the show, Ari Gold, uh, was an attorney. He, he was an agent, uh, you know, for Vince, but he was he was an attorney. He always talked about how he was, he was an attorney, all that stuff. And I said to myself, I want to be that. I want to be an attorney like that. I want to wear a suit, I want to drive a fancy car, and I want to represent you know athletes, etc. So I do really well, right? I do really well. I get into law school. Uh, I start touring and all that stuff. And then as I'm going, you know, and choosing a law school, uh, I don't make it past orientation. You know, I got in, right? And I, I scored really well on, on my test. But my girlfriend at the time, she's like, this ain't this ain't for you, man. Like, this is not you. Um, she's okay. like, this is, not, this is not your vibe. This is not your vibe. And maybe you should consider going into tech. Now, again, this is this is now around 2008, and tech was still, or Web 2.0, as has been called, was still budding. Yeah. Like you, you had the Facebook, um, you had Yahoo, Google, you had you know some some other companies, but it wasn't like you see today, or it wasn't like you've seen ten years ago, oh. and. She she convinced me that it was a younger industry, one that fit my personality and vibe a lot more. And I said, you know what? You might be right. You might be right. Mm. And so I dropped out of law school and joined uh, a company called The Facebook. Um, it was called The Facebook before the The was dropped and it was just Facebook.com. And again, this is before iPhones. This is before mobile apps. This is before all that stuff. It was just the website. Uh, it was just, just a desktop location. And I also joined in the middle of the 2008 recession. And I just oversimplified it a little bit by saying, oh yeah, then I joined Facebook. No, 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 no. Let me step back for a second. I applied to 250 jobs around the industry before Facebook answered my email. No one answered but Facebook. And- It's a good answer. It's a great answer. And and, and so, you know, but but here's the thing though, man. It's um, when I I got the, the email back and I told my friends about it, I told my family about it. They told me not to go to Facebook. 
they told me, yeah, yeah, yeah. they're like, I don't think it's going to survive. I don't think it's going to do very well. MySpace is bigger than it. Friendster is bigger than it. You know, it's too big of a risk. You should stay in law school, all that stuff. And to me, um, I was like, yeah, but there's not many chances I'm going to get to to go into like a budding industry like that. Second, uh, I really want a paycheck uh, so I could, so I could, uh, you know, buy my girlfriend a wedding ring. And they're like, this is not a good decision. And I was like, you know, whatever. Um, So I ended up taking the job. My job at, at, at Facebook in 2008 was to uh, set up the ads that you see on the website. So all the ads that you see on the website, a sales team sold. Mm-hmm. There's a contract that goes into place with Nike. And then Nike gives the sales team, here are the things that we want on your website. And it was my job to put that stuff there, like a commercial, like an ad, et cetera. Yep. And that was called an advertising operations. But that was my first step into marketing that was my first step into advertising i had no idea what it was before that and as i was doing this job we launched another product called pages uh meaning a brand not a person can have a presence on the platform and you know post to their followers grow a following base and for those of you who are listening you're probably like like that's not that's not a secret. That, that everybody like every brand has a page now on, on Instagram or Facebook, etc. Back then, that was a huge deal because social media back then was only people. That was a game changer. It was only people, right? It was only people, and they had websites, and that's about it. And so, what I found was that as we were launching this product, not a lot of people at Facebook were talking to their to their brands to their clients about how you can tr- successfully as a brand transition from a website to commercials etc onto a Facebook page wow. and so that was really the start of what we now know as uh, social media marketing and it was my job to not just set up the ads to support the sales team but also talk to the, these brands about how to find success on the platform now that was the first semblance that I had of digital marketing and I started realizing that I honestly being from the other side, like I have a, a very deep knowledge of how, what works, what doesn't work. How do I translate that to Amazon, to Microsoft, to, to Nike, you know, whoever. Yeah. And I started realizing as I was talking to these brands, these marketers that are working at Nike and Microsoft, et cetera, um, I could do that job. I could do that job. Right. Like this sounds amazing. Like you're working at Nike, you're talking to athletes and now you're talking to those athletes about having a Facebook page and whatnot. I could do that job and I would love to do that job. And what does it mean? And so I started talking to a lot of these brands about what does it mean to work at Nike and digital, what it means to work at Starbucks and digital, what it means to work at Red Bull and digital. And they just gave me all this information. They're like, well, you know, like, here's what we studied in college. Here's how we think about things. Here's how we make campaigns and whatnot. And I just realized when I was doing that, I was like, I think that's what I want. That's what I'm good at. That's what I'm passionate about. Now, how do I go from the platform side to the brand side? Mm. And after five years at Facebook, uh, so this was 2013, I decided to leave Facebook to go to Nike uh, to be uh, the head of digital brand uh, for the NFL, Major League Baseball, and the NCAA, so all American sports, and it was a dream come true. I mean, you okay. see the cap, you see the cap jersey behind me. Yeah, you know, I think uh, as a sports fan, specifically as an American sports fan, and my family is like deep, 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 deep Bay Area sports. Um, mm-hmm. It was it was truly a, a dream come true because I got to be on that side and work with those those leagues, work with the teams in the leagues, uh, work with the athletes on the teams. Uh, to find success on the platforms that um, that I help build, and so you know, I f- if there's anything you take from this, it's that yeah, I started as a a hopeful attorney, but I started following an opportunity yeah. that then became a passion, yeah. that then became something I was specializing in, uh, and continue to do so to this day. You know, as I've gone on to as I've gone on to work at from Nike to Snapchat, Snapchat to Airbnb, Airbnb um, to Gap Inc., where I helped launch um, a, a, a new brand and company called Hill City, which then eventually became uh, what many now know as Yeezy X Gap, which honestly, uh, about two weeks ago, he just killed. Kanye West just killed that yeah. brand. No. So, and, that, and now I'm back in Meta. 
well, Facebook and then it became Meta. So again, it's been a journey of opportunity and seeking wow. opportunity, but it's been one in where every single job that I've taken has only sharpened my passion and yeah. only sharpened my expertise in the industry um, as it continues to grow and build and evolve. And unlike maybe some other, uh, you know, industries like the medical profession, which is still evolving too, or even accounting or legal, a lot of those have, have hit like a, uh, like a, a, a bit of a plateau of how yeah. much it can evolve. Exactly. With what I do and what would you do? Um, it's evolving every day. Always. It's evolving every day with every platform, with every new influencer, with every, you know, new cultural moment that's happening in the world. Um, being a marketer has never been more exciting, but also more difficult, uh, than it is right now. I, I love it, man. Uh, first of all, amazing story. And there's so many lessons I, I got from that. First of all, shout out to your girlfriend and now wife. <laughs> hey, well, she's my, she's she my was, wife now. She's my wife now. And uh, you know, we have two beautiful it. kids. Oh, man. God bless, man. So for her to, so right then and there, like you said, you she knew you and you knew yourself. So even though you wanted to go into the law school, you still better yourself and said, man, this may not fit my personality. And you don't want to be in a nine to five where you're not just, we, we're just at the cubicle, you know what I mean? Right, and it's like, you're right. not, it's not fulfilling. And that's what I loved about it. And the fact that you went for it and bet on yourself. Everybody's like, no, don't go for it, man. MySpace is killing them. And I don't know if it's going to be sustainable to what you've done now. And like your passion, bro, it, it comes off your sleeve, man. And I love it. I love it. So, and, and as your journey evolved, right, as you go to these brands, what are some of the creative works that you had the opportunity to work on? Or what are some ones that you're really, really proud of? Like, I could imagine that dream job of being with the leagues, bro. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I would have went um, You know, I, I get asked this all the time. Um, what, what was the first brand campaign you ever worked on? Like, what's the first one, right? Like what's the one that, that, that you got to work on? And a lot of people assume it's Nike. Um, the first brand campaign I ever worked on as, as a brand marketer um, was a Facebook campaign called, uh, called Chairs. Um, you can look it up. I think it launched in 2011. It was my first time I ever worked with Wyden. My first time I ever worked with the, like the, the big agencies and it became notorious for, you know, for, for Facebook. It's like, it's kind of like, uh, Apple's 1984 ad. Um, yeah. we're like, everybody knows it. Right. Um, but the one that like the, the ones that I'm, I, I'm, I'm most proud of as far as like me telling a five-year-old version of me, like, Hey, this is what you did. Um, was probably the field generals launch for Nike. So at the time field generals was, I want to say this is 2013. Um, it was a great year for quarterbacks in the NFL. You had Colin Kaepernick on the Niners. Uh, obviously you see, you know, sh shout out to the Niners, shout out cap. Yeah. Um, you had Russell Wilson on the Seahawks. You had Drew Brees, you had Aaron Rodgers. you had, uh, Johnny Manziel coming into the league and, and like Payton he was, was playing. yeah, Peyton was still playing. So it was a great year uh, for quarterbacks. And we had a campaign called field generals, where it was obviously very armed forces focused, but it was about the generals on the field leading the charge. And I got to work with all those great athletes, all those great quarterbacks, you know, to bring their stories to life. Um, especially for Nike gridiron. So that was one that was, that was really cool to me is that I got to like, that was my first dip into it. I was like, Oh man, I am a sports marketer now. This is fantastic. Um, and the reception was fantastic too. You know, you see your apparel out there in stores, yeah. you know, I, I think I always thought that was so cool to me that I could be in a, a boardroom talking about a campaign that's going to happen around the, in, around the United States. And then the next thing I know, I fly to New York, I go into a Nike town and I see all that work live and people buying it, people buying the shoes, people taking pictures with it. And I'm just like, I made that. Like, how did, how is that? Like, how did they let me do that? Like they, they never should have let me do that. You know what I mean? Um, so that was like a really surreal moment where I started to realize <clears throat> I have a knack for, like, I really have a knack for this. Like if this is, this could be something really special. Um, Nike gave me another opportunity uh, to launch the first baseball cleat uh, for a Nike athlete since Ken Griffey Jr. And that was the Mike Trout shoes. Um, it was a beautiful shoe. We launched it in the uh, MLB All-Star game in Minneapolis. And, you know, Trout obviously has an amazing game. But I think one of the things that it did was, it, again, it opened up the aperture for Nike baseball, specifically in the Nike stable uh, of, of gear and apparel. You go across that town, anytime you talk about MLB, especially in that year, 
is all Mike Trout. And so you see your work, you see your billboards, you see your commercials go live and you're just like, how is this my life? Like, how did they, how did they let me do this? Um, but you start to real again, you start to realize that this, you have a knack. And so I'm really proud of the work that I did with Nike. I think some of the other work, which is obviously very specific to the business, very specific, um, to my passion in sport. If I look at other things that I've done in my career, when it comes to the work that I, you know, I'm really proud of, I think work that really intersects, um, things that I'm passionate about, whether that's diversity, inclusion, representation, uh, pushing forward, you know, heart, um, that's my entire portfolio of, of work at, at Airbnb. Like there's not one thing I didn't do at Airbnb that didn't represent not just great work for the business, but hopefully great work for society at large. You know, I grew up in the nineties in a predominantly white town. And when you don't see yourself in the classroom, you don't see yourself, you know, in at recess, you go home and turn on the TV um, and you don't see yourself on TV shows or, 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 or commercials, when I realized that I could be in control, at least of the 30 second spots that, that would be happening to another kid, um, I realized that is an opportunity for me to make a difference, for me to tangibly push things forward and hopefully make those kids that could be living in the same situation that I grew up in don't have to feel that as, as alone as I did. And so whether it be through Nike, whether it be through Snapchat, through Airbnb, every single piece of my work um, to this day, um, represents real customers. It represents real consumers. It represents real people, real people in the community, and hopefully tells real, you know, tells stories real enough where you can relate to it, that you feel like you belong, that you feel like you're not alone in this. And, and so, you know, I look at every single piece of work that I've done, you know, at Airbnb, whether it be our Super Bowl spot, whether it be, um, whether it be our Oscar spot, whether it be working with Beyonce, uh, which got me investigated uh, by the FTC twice. Um, <laughs> what? Yeah, wild story. Uh, but it's like all that, man. It's all that. Like, I, my hope is that I break enough. I break enough things. I push enough things forward um, that people look at my work and they say that could be my work, and hopefully, I could do that too. Absolutely, brother. And, and diversity matters and representation matters so that's much because I'm going to be honest with you, man. That's that's what led me to do what I needed to do and start as far as building my personal brand, man. And me and Walt talked about it. And shout out to Walt, man. Love you, bro. But um, like one thing that made me want to just be my authentic self is that I never. So when I came in the industry, just like you, 2008, man, I came off. I was working at Penguin Starbucks, all these NN jobs. I was a waiter. My first son was being born. And I'm like, holy crap, I got to get something done. Yeah. This shit is working for me. I got to figure something out. And then when I got to the industry, brother, there was nobody that looked like me. Oh, like, yeah. You, yeah. you know how it was. I mean, you go to a conference. It, it's it's only one brother I see. It's only like, and you give each other the head nod from across the room. <laughs> you know. You know yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. I, I, know, I know what you're talking about, man. Yeah. So you know how it used to be and to see how it's evolved. But there's so much more that we can do. So I would love to know, like, how, you know, how that motivates you, man. And have you experienced anything, um, you know, just being a diverse candidate that there was like, wow. That any advice you would give to another Asian candidate, another African-American candidate, any minority candidate to say to help, you know, executives think big, bold and be able to get in a position that you are. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I came into the industry in 2008 and Facebook was you know, pre a predominantly white company. Yeah. And the teams that I worked with were older white executives. And yeah. you know, there were times, man, where where. You know, they would say to me, well, Eric, like, yeah. not Asian, bro. Like, you know, the white guy. And yeah. like yeah. saying that as a compliment, right? And, you know, this is a 23, 23-year-old, 23 you know, being told that. And you're just like, listen, I don't want to be different. I, I, I just, just want to do my job, right? So you're like, great. Yeah, I assimilated. Or, you hmm. know. As I've gone in my career, I've I've challenged. Like I've I've known I'm known to challenge in a meeting. Like um, if I'm in a meeting, people are probably looking at me like, oh, he's gonna pop off. Um, and there are a couple times in the beginning of my career where I do challenge really hard, and I challenge a white executive, and uh, someone pulls me aside outside of the meeting, and they're like, Eric, you can't do that, man. And I was like, why? I was like, the strategy was my strategy was right. I wanted to make sure that. You know, we're voicing opinions here and they're like, well, you, your people don't do that. Like you stay quiet, do, do your wow. job, et cetera. And, you know, I, 
I didn't know how to react to that. I didn't yeah. know how to react to that because not a lot of people have been so blatant. I mean, they have when I was younger, you know, yeah. as a kid on the playground, but like to see that in a, in a place where we're getting paid, you know, that people are downing you because you're Asian. Yeah. Uh, it's worded differently. It's called playing the game. Yeah. 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 Right. And, and, yeah. and I didn't like that. I didn't like that. And so, you know, I harbored a lot of that. I harbored a lot of that, that pain. I harbored a lot of that, um, you know, a, a little bit of that frustration that I'm not being treated the same way as someone else. You know, I go to Nike and I'm the young, I'm not, I'm not just the most Asian. Uh, I'm also the youngest by about 20 years in wow. a peer group, um, wow. you know, at, at the MLB All-Star game or our Super Bowl. Um, and they think one thing about me, right? Oh, Eric, like you grew up in the Bay Area. So, you know, Bay Area is pretty Asian or Eric, you probably went to Stanford or whatever, right? Or you probably right. get a math. Yeah. Um, and they're like, well, Eric, like tell me about shoes or whatever. And I go, I go nuts on that stuff, right? And I was like, I was like, I probably know more about shoes, more about the designers, more about his place in pop culture than probably all y'all combined in this room. Yep. And I let them have it, right? I let them have it. And they're like, oh, Eric's the truth. Fantastic. You know, uh, <laughs> so, you know, like there, uh, at that point in my career, I start to realize I have this voice, not just as a younger executive, but as a person of color, not just mm -hmm. representing the Asian American community. I'm representing the black community in that regard. I'm representing Latinx community in that regard. I'm, I'm, I'm representing all of us, you know, as I'm, as I'm starting to find my voice, because, you know, my hope, my hope is, is that, you know, as I found my voice and challenged and obviously took a lot of the, this pain and frustration that I've had throughout my career and exerted it like literally on the people, uh, you know, to, to push us forward. My hope is that some younger entry level kid, a, sh a shade of Brown, like me and you sees that and they're like, cool. That means I could do that too. Right. Absolutely. And, and I think that's, I think that's a really important thing, thing to do because, because again, like yeah. a lot of people assume, a lot of people assume that I've, I've, I've gotten to where I've been, I, I am because I've had great Asian American yeah. managers. Yeah. I've not had one, not That's one. My managers it. and my supervisors and my VPs and my presidents, et cetera, have all been white and black and they've all just supported me. They've seen the, they've seen the vision. They've seen the, the the potential, and they've sponsored me in closed room doors. You know that I don't that I, I I'm not in. And yeah. I think it takes that. It literally takes that to cross boundaries of our community to see pure talent yeah. uh, to put us forward, right? And that's why I say I don't just represent what I look like. I represent Absolutely. all shades of brown, no matter what, right? Because my hope is that if I could not just point to you this is the door I walk through, but instead literally hold, hold that joint open. Yeah. That means then that means I did my job. Right. And I, I don't think there's a lot of people that truly understand that power um, unless they've literally walked through that door. And, and, and so I think, the, I think, I think the hurdles that I've faced, the ugliness that I've seen um, the biases that have been, that have been thrown at me all bad. For sure. Let's, I'm glad that I took that because then hopefully I can make it easier for the next kid that walks through that door. You know what I mean? That's the key. That's the key, brother. And I can go on. Me and you can share stories all day, man. I'll, I'll give you one quick one. I know one. When I first started in the industry doing display advertising, I'm killing them. The top salesperson is my first sales job right after high school and all that good stuff. I'm killing them. Doing $250 a quarter. They put me in the room. I'm like, all right, man, what's up, man? You know, we're going to, you know, high five and all. I'm killing this quarter. Hey, Jared, uh, we want to give you a raise, but we don't, you know, the board doesn't know you. I'm like, what do you mean the board doesn't know me? Like, I, I go to lunch with these dudes. Like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Me? Basically, it was my parents. And he basically told me I had to cut my hair. Next day, I cut my hair, got a $10,000 raise, and it was bullshit. And these are the stories that people need to hear in order to say, hey, how do we make it better for the next person up? I shouldn't have had to do that. You shouldn't have had to go through some of the things you're going through. But once again, it's all about making it better for the next person up, man. Like, exactly. it's so crazy, man. Like, I had a situation uh, Saturday, man. Like, I'm going to the store, bro. And I live in the Bronx, Park Chest, if anybody doesn't know. And, you know, it's, it's, it's 
it's real out here. So I go to the store, man, and somebody pulls me aside, man, like, man, what's up, bro? And I just want to tell you, man, how much you're motivating me with the with the with the podcast. I'm thinking about doing my own. These are dudes that never been off the block. <laughs> you know what I mean? Never been off the I mean, that's what it takes, though, man. And that's what it's about. That's that's literally what it takes. And you know, I hate the excuse, well, they don't know you. Uh, you know, and 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 because that makes it seem like you have to make the effort for them to get to know you. If you are actually exceptional at what you do, they should be making the effort to know exactly who is exceptional in their organization. Yes. And yes, I think there is something to be said about self-advocacy for sure, right? But a great executive, a great board of directors Mm -hmm. should be asking who's doing well in our organization and how do we make sure they're in front of us very frequently so that we can get to know them, not they can get to know us. That's a great point. That's a different, that's just a different thing. Right. And I think that not a lot of boards understand that mostly because if you look at the, how these boards are put together, where they're representative, where they're not representative. Yeah. I know where you're going. I love it. This is why you don't ask that question. This is why that question is not asked, man. This is literally like this is literally like exactly why that there are black neighborhoods and Asian neighborhoods and white neighborhoods. This is it's exactly the same thing. It's because there is no push. There is no push for integration. There is no push for inclusion. And when you have a board that's comprised of black, Asian, Latinx, whatever, that is diverse, that is a mixture of cultures and experience, et cetera. That question is going to be asked. Bring that person in. I want to talk to them right now. What is the secret of how you're so successful? And how do I make sure the rest of the organization knows this and celebrates this? That's it. You hit the key. And there's not enough representation. And shout out to Tommy, man. It starts at the top. But like you said, there's not enough integration. There's not enough diversity and inclusion in the industry. I go to some of these marketing conferences. I went to one on Ad Week, um, I think uh, a couple of months ago, right? Mm -hmm. One or two black speakers. And I'm sitting there in the crowd and I'm like... I've generated 3 million impressions and nobody knows nothing. <laughs> nobody knows how I feel. And you know how it's happened? Because I, I'm being myself. So when I started on LinkedIn, bro, it was just like, I didn't see anybody on my goddamn feed that looked like me. Nobody. Yeah. So yeah. I'm like, everybody's buttoned up. Everybody's this. And I'm like, man, I just don't care no more because I didn't hit rock bottom. I'm just going to throw the hat on, throw the hoodie on. I'm going to tell you what I've been through and give you my experiences. That's the shit that breaks through in today's cluttered ass environment, man. Everybody wants authenticity, bro. And that's where you've been able to to, to even ask the question back. And that's why you're successful in what it is. If you would have stayed passive and not said anything, how do you think your career would have been? I mean, it's facts, man. It's facts. And, you know, I, I think like, I think there, there's been too long, right? Where you've been asked to, to code switch at the door, you know, you one way, like you're the Bronx, <laughs> yeah. the Bronx, like, you know, when you go home, but the minute you step onto, you know, Madison Avenue, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta yeah, you gotta tailor that up. Like you, you're different now, right? Yeah. And I think the more that you're asked to to change, and the more that you're asked to be the same as everybody else, especially in our industry, the more you're gonna see tired ass ideas in in the industry every single day. You're gonna see the same thing repeated over and over and over again, and it's we're not gonna be able to push the industry forward. And that's why you go to a you know a conference and you don't see yeah. this the speakers that are actually pushing it forward is because everybody's trying to be like everybody else. But I do think, especially over the past, I want to say two years, we're in this middle, we're in the middle of this like massive cultural awakening right now. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like the amount of, the amount of people that I see on LinkedIn, uh, in, at conferences, uh, wherever that represent our industry, the amount of diversity I see across the board of them being themselves. It doesn't matter, right? Braids, you know, the blowout, whatever. It doesn't matter. Like this is who they are. And, and I do think the more that we can embrace that and the more that we can also embrace their perspective and experiences, good and bad, they're going to bring that to the table and you are going to have less, honestly, less brand cancellations. You're, yeah. you're going to have better and more creative ideas that actually hit culture versus merely reflect it. And I think that's the key for us as an industry is to not rec- is to not push everyone to be a reflection of 
some some weak neutered you know industry but yeah. instead an industry that honestly for better or for worse prides itself on diversity and inclusion yet we don't see that right so okay. i think that change is coming for sure but again it, it's it's not requiring your people you know to to leave themselves at the door if, if you're going to come in with honestly like a, a hoodie you know tim's and a yankees hat because that's just like the most new york thing i could possibly dream of uh then, that, then that's what then that's the get then that's the uniform bro you know it's like sure it's like then that's the uniform and 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 i want you to feel as comfortable as you are here as you are in your home because you're going to tell me what's good and what's not and i want you to tell me what's good and what's not i don't want you to hold it back that that's it bro that's it man you hit so many points man that's definitely a major clip bro and i want to go back to your creative work so i'm always curious for the young professionals that are coming up in the space right so you've done super bowl ads you've done big creative works that were awarded throughout the industry what is your creative process and what is it like working with the agency right because like i'm always curious like you're working on the super bowl campaign there's so many moving pieces so how do you make sure that your ideas are seen throughout all of those moving parts and pieces? Uh, you know, I, I think all of all of the work that I've done that has, has been massively awarded um, and, and applauded by the industry had pretty significant constraints, um, like stuff that like a lot of brands would just be like, screw it, I can't do this. Take, for yeah. example, um, take, for example, uh, my work at the Oscars. So for Airbnb, Airbnb couldn't advertise during the Oscars because there was already a hospitality brand blacking everything out, right? They're like, no, no hospitality brand can be here because XYZ hotel brand, you know, had the lock. And so we're like, well, we can't, then we can't have a spot, you know, during the broadcast, which is like gold. We can't mention the broadcast at all. We can't mention the Oscars at all. And so those are massive constraints to go up against when your CMO is like, what's our Oscars campaign? And you're like, well, I can't mention the Oscars. I can't mention the broadcast. I can't mention all of these different things, right? Wow. And you're like, but how do I get around it? And you start thinking, well, all of those things are imposed on me as a brand. They are not imposed on the community and the people who follow me. Mm -hmm. So if I can ask them, what movies do they love and what movies would they want to live in in an Airbnb? What would it be? Naturally, people said the Oscars. Naturally, people mentioned the broadcast. Naturally, people mentioned a bunch of different movies that I had no place in mentioning, but they can. Wow. And you, you effectively trick the system and get around the system you know, to generate more impressions, more conversations than any of the, any of the headline sponsors. And Brilliant. that campaign was called live in the movies. And we only asked one question. And that was, if you could live in any movie, what would it be and why? And all we did for every response, because this is where the law kind of, kind of stops is that we can respond to every single one of the comments that was happening with the listing catered to their answer. We just had to do a lot of planning, a lot of scenario planning, and you just take over the entire joint, right? And, you know, that one, that one clean swept, can, Webby's, Clio's, um, easy. Like really? that was, that was a layup. That, that was a layup just straight up. Um, so that was really good, you know, that I, that I felt like that had massive constraints. Um, That's another one. I'm going to say, just before you go, Eric, I just want to yeah. stop for everybody listening. So what the brilliance in that ad. All those constraints he had, he couldn't name the brand. He had them do so. What that was was a, a a great iteration of a UGC campaign. Correct, correct, correct. And so for those who's listening, guys, is user generated content. Yes, yes. So essentially, he used his audience in order to spread the word for him, and basically had that be the campaign. And then think about how brilliant it is for what movie you want to live in. Think about any movie you would want to live in, like whether it's Home Alone, whether it's oh, this. We had it ready. We had yeah. it ready to go. We had it locked and loaded. Yeah. Oh, man, that is brilliant. So, guys, that that was major. And I'm sorry, I didn't want to interrupt, but I thought that was a great learning moment. No, no, no. I mean, it's again, it's it's you have to work with the constraints. Like, not everything is going to be perfect. Um, and the greatest marketers understand that you're probably in your, per in your mind – of what you want to do for a specific moment or a campaign, you're probably thinking that every 100% of the things that you want to do are going to get done. Yeah. Um, I'm <laughs> I'm more cynical and thinking, eh, probably about 30%, right? right? And so if that 30%, how am I going to work with the rest of the 70? And that's when you get a campaign uh, mm -hmm. like live in the movies. You know, I look at other moments, um, 
kind of the same vein, you know, that, that have, have actively pushed us forward uh, as an industry um, around the same time. I think this was now 2016. Uh, yeah. I think 2016, a lot of you probably remember that documentary about the fire festival. Yeah. Um, like there was a bunch of influencers that said they're doing something and then they weren't and it became this whole thing. Now, Around the same time as the Fire Festival, Beyonce drops the album Lemon. And if you remember Lemon, mm-hmm. uh, still iconic, still iconic. But she references a, a brand in Lemon and or Lemonade. Um, yeah, sorry. Yeah, the, the album was Lemonade. And in Lemonade, she references Red Lobster. And this became a case study within 24 hours of how do you capitalize on a, on a Beyonce type moment, uh, but don't right. And, you know, red lobster, I'm sure they had a bunch of things that they had to do and get through and hurdle just to literally respond. But, you know, they, it took them over 36 hours to respond to honestly, one of the greatest uh, references uh, to red lobster. And I remember thinking in my head, I was like, you know, not a lot of brands get the Beyonce moment. You know, not a lot of brands get the Kanye moment or how do, you know, how do you prepare for that? And but you, have to, but you have to though. Right. And I remember I sent a note to my team during that weekend. This is Super Bowl weekend, 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, I sent a note to my team about what was happening with Red Lobster. And I was like, if this ever happens to us and who knows, who knows if it dies, like, we're, we're, we're Airbnb. Like, why would it happen to us? Yeah. Uh, if this ever happens to us, you have five minutes to respond. And if we don't capitalize in five minutes, no. culture will pass us by. Culture will pass us by and we just squandered one of the biggest moments of our of our entire existence. And it was a really intense note. I probably could have dialed it back a little bit, but I was very passionate about it. <laughs> um, and I remember the Super Bowl happened because Beyonce, she drops lemonade, goes and performs in the Super Bowl. I think it was like Panthers and Broncos. Um and she crushes the Super Bowl. She's the headline act of the entire Super Bowl. No commercial stood out. The game didn't stand out. Yeah. It was all Beyonce, right? Because she just put on a show. Killed it. And I and I remember like seeing like her mentions and trends, and they're just like, oh man, Beyonce really is the queen. And I remember coming back home and going into the office the next day being like man i can't believe all that happened in like 24 hours the red lobster thing beyonce does the super bowl etc and my team's like hey eric there's something happening on our screens right now we have a bunch of screens in airbnb that we're listening to all the conversations around airbnb and we see the word beyonce just grow 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 and i was like well that makes sense like she just performed super bowl she had like greatest weekend of her entire career fantastic and they're like no eric she just posted about airbnb mm-hmm. like she literally just posted about airbnb oh my and God. i was like i was like i was like hold up what i was like i was like and they're like yeah that was about two minutes ago and i was like we have three minutes to get this out we have three minutes to get this out drop everything we can right now and <laughs> My head of creative, her name's Caitlin Choate. She is now the VP of brand at uh, a baby food company called Yumi. She's one of the greatest creatives I've ever worked with in my entire career. She, she's like, I got it. She's like, I got it, Tota. Watch this. We're sitting there in an all hands trying to pay attention. And she's on her phone about to tweet from Airbnb. And she was just, it was just a quote tweet. And the copy was Airbnb-Bay. That was it. And she lets it go. She oh, lets it go. And within probably within probably oh the tw- the next 20 minutes, you see every single phone in that all hands just blow up and melt down. You see our legal team just like run out of the room. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You see our comms team scramble. <laughs> and I look at her and I was like, what the hell we just do? Um Within 10 minutes, we eclipsed the entire publication and distribution of USA Today. Um, And every single, every single uh, media, online media and digital media uh, company tracking marketing captures this. And they're like, Airbnb did it. Airbnb did it when Red Lobster couldn't. Now, I don't like to compare myself to Red Lobster because I'm sure that they had their own thing to deal with. We didn't. And so I don't like to pit uh, a brand against another. But- in contrast to what happened in that 72 hours, we just capitalized on a moment that I didn't think was going to come and we crushed it. Right. 
crush it, crush it, crush it. And literally it was just a picture of Beyonce posting about Airbnb that says, thanks for the super weekend Airbnb. Right. Oh my and so I, I thought I was king of the world. You know, I'm, you know, I'm going to be the next CMO of, you know, some company that's going to be fantastic. I'm dreaming. <laughs> uh, and I remember coming into the office the next day and I had to surrender my laptop um, because the FTC has, uh, has asked for an investigation on if I knew if Beyonce was paid or not. And in my, in my knowledge, she was not, no one told me anything. I thought this was all organic, yada, yada, yada. Right. And it turns out there was a backdoor deal somewhere along the lines uh, with an Airbnb and she did not use obviously hashtag sponsored hashtag ad. Now, again, this was during the time of the fire festival. Yeah. And the same thing was happening with that event too. And so Wow. The FTC under the Obama administration made that into law. And so if you want to think about how, how the internet looks like today, you can thank us sending a tweet from an all hands, literally like that, that ding right there. That's literally what happened. Great time. Every single buddy, every single influencer, every single celebrity use hashtag ad hashtag sponsored. And I didn't go, I didn't get in trouble. They took my computer for probably too long. And it was, it's a great story in which you have to continue to move fast. You have to continue to test the boundaries of where your brand can go. And you, again, you don't know when you're going to get your Beyonce moment, but again, you have about five minutes to do it. So good luck. Oh my goodness. I love that story. And the timing on that's why I love live content. Cause that was my son saying, I just got out of, out of school <laughs> and it was perfect timing, but bro, I got to ask you now I've got to ask you the flip side, right? Have you done any campaigns that you thought were going to go and be a home run that wasn't? Oh, so so have you faced, like, how did you overcome that moment? Oh, I've had so many duds. I've had so many duds. Like, oh, I'm, I'm just telling you my hits right now. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm literally telling you my hits. I haven't told you the stuff that just like just falls flat. You know, I think um, I think there's been many times in my career in which I've I've failed massively. Uh, I think I mentioned before, before uh, the Gap turned Hill City into uh, the Yeezy X X Gap brand. Um, Hill City was was I thought was going to be another hit. I thought it was going to be another hit. I thought it was going to be a, a massive, massive brand in the stable of brands under Gap Inc. Um, but it didn't turn out like that. It didn't turn out like that. I think that there was a lot of demand. Um, and you have to remember that building a clothing brand, building a retail brand literally takes years. So, you know, you know, I think the board and, and I, I think leadership wanted to see it in, in 10 weeks. And, you know, I, as, as much as I like to believe that that Hill City was a massive success, the reality is it's not a success if it's still not around. You know, a, lo- a lot of people come up to me. Don't they trust. show me their shirts from Hill City. They show me their socks from Hill City. And they're like, thank you so much for building it. You know, I, I look at that as a great signal that we built something great, uh, but just not as long as, as, as I wanted it to. So, I mean, that's yeah. that was a big learning moment for me. It also was a big learning moment for me because – through and through, I'm, I'm very much a, a, a. I was very much raised and trained as a brand marketer, right? Specifically on digital, and going into Hill City as as a as a CMO, you know, you you have a PNL to run, yeah. You know, you have expenses that, that you have to account for, and you have revenue that you need to generate, and all this stuff. And you know, I'm, I'm certainly more seasoned and ready now. You know, I do that with some of the businesses I run today. But as a 32 year old CMO, you know, you you're not really ready for that. And, and so I look at that as not necessarily a failure, but it was certainly like a learning point for me to be like, okay, cool. Like there's certainly a lot more than just, you know, making things hot on the internet, you know, <laughs> you got to run a business. And so I think that was a great moment for me to be like, I want to be a great steward of the business first. And then on top of that, a great, a great brand marketer, you know, because I, because I, I'm very romantic about the trade. Absolutely. And, and they're both they're both intertwined. Right. You do good grand brand marketing is going to fa- impact sure. the bottom line. So like it, it, it's, sure. all, it's all the same, man. And I've got to ask you one thing, because you've been around so many places and so many things. What is the one moment in your career that you looked up and was like, I can't believe it? What was the one moment that was like, Mama, I made it, <laughs> man? Um, 
there's been a lot, you know, I, I, and I'm very fortunate that I can say that. Um, sure. It's a blessing, brother. You know, I, I've, I've, I've had your story, bro. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I've had, I've had some real down moments too, you know, I, that I think that I, I, I thought I would never recover from. Um, and in those moments in which you come back from, you get that feeling. You're like, I made it again. I'm back. Like I'm a cockroach, you know, like they can't get rid of me. They can't get rid of me. And like, it just shows you like your resilience, you know? Um, I think those are moments in which, you know, when I was let go from gap, um, and they exited me from, from the CMO position, like I thought I was never going to come back, you know, to the marketing industry. Um, and then seeing how I've come back, you know, back into Facebook and meta and doing what I've done, you know, for the company, like I, I definitely got that feeling like, like I did it, like I made it. Right. Um, I think when I, uh, when I launched my first brand campaigns, you know, that, that I get to do this, like I get to, I get to turn on the TV and see my work. I get to shake hands, you know, with, with great quarterbacks and say, that's my job. Um, I get to take pictures, you know, at exclusive events like the Super Bowl. Or, you know, I, I walk into, I ask, you know, someone, Hey, I want tickets to the Niners. And they're like, yeah, we got you. And then I walk into the Nike suite at, you know, then candlestick park. And it has my name in there. Like this is all reserved for Aratota. And I'm like, wow. You know, you know, it's like this things like that, that you're just like, how is this my job? But I think the biggest one to be on, uh, you know, to, to be, you know, not, you know, I think more recent is, Last May, I find myself in the White House talking about, you know, not just the advocacy that I, I've done for the Asian American community in this moment of need, but what I've built, you know, back at, at, at Meta with Meta Prosper, which is a new Asian American small business and creators and nonprofit support program, you know, dedicated to the community. And, you know, I, sh I, I shake the president's hand, you know, I, I shake the first lady's hand, I shake, you know, Vice President Harris's hand, and, and they start talking to me about what I built. And it's not like I'm nervous, like, I, I know what I built, right? I'm swag out. And, and I was like, I was, I, was, I was like, no, like, this is why I built. Like it's great, and like it's gonna be great. And but to see, find myself in the White House, to find myself on the floor of the Senate, talking about literally things I've businesses I've built dedicated to people that look like me. Um, it's not as fancy as a suite at the Super Bowl. It's not as fancy as like a private jet going to the MLB All Star Game, any of that stuff. But it's meaningful because my kids could then look at me and say, "You were more than a marketer." That that was the man. That was more than a title. That, that's real, man. And that's, that's what it's about, brother. I love your story, man. And I just want to ask you one last question, brother. Yes, I'd love to know, you know, and it kind of segues into some of the things you're passionate about. So what are you excited about right now? Because you've hit the mountaintop. You've been a CMO at, at, at great brands. You've accomplished a lot. What gets you excited? What does the next five, 10 years of your career look like? And what really gets you going? The, the biggest thing that gets me going right now and you could ask anybody I, I, I mentor right now that I, meant, I mentor, you know, two years ago, whatever. The biggest thing that gets me going right now is, 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 creating, um, is creating not necessarily more versions of myself. No one wants that. Um, but people, the people that take what I've done and build on it. And what gets me most excited isn't the next CMO role. I'm not super, you know, I'm not super privy to that, nor, nor, nor do, uh, do I think like, do I want that? You know, I, I, I'm open to the conversation, but I'm not sure if that's my future anymore. You know, I, I think I'd much rather just put on as many people as humanly possible, because if there's one thing kind of like what you, what you, what you mentioned, if there's one thing that means a lot is, you know, you're walking down the street and someone says, you know, I love the pod. I want to, uh, I want to make my own products that are like that. That means something, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I go to New York, I go to DC, I go to Chicago and, and people come up to me and they say, you know, how do I do what you do, right? Like, tell me, how do I do what you do? Or tell me what I need to know and all this stuff. And like, that means the world to me because that means that I'm doing so much more than just my job, than, than just my nine to five. And so what I'm looking most forward to over the next five to 10 years is obviously continuing to support the community for sure. Yeah. But making it easier for people that look like my kids and your kids, heaven forbid, if they decide to do what we do, um, <laughs> that they don't have to deal with the bullshit that we did. 
That's, you know, that's what I'm looking most forward to, man. Like, like, listen, am I going to make, still going to put out, you know, good stuff? Yes. I know this. I'm, I'm, I, I know I'm going to put out good stuff. Am I still going to lead great teams for sure? I know this, right. But it's all now in service, not to my trophy case and not to my portfolio or anything like that. It's really in service, honestly, you know, to, for my kids and your kids to know that, you know, I, I tried, I tried my best I, and I will continue to try, you know, to make, uh, to make this industry more just, uh, more equitable, um, more accepting because shit, I didn't have that when I, when I was coming up, you know, yeah. it happens now, but it's also because of who I am. You know, I walk into a room, like people know they got to act right. You know, um, back then it wasn't the case. They thought that they could just bully me around and, and because, you know, of what I look like and, I, I hope that because of hopefully what I've done and many others like me, um, that's not the thing that that ain't it anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah, that that's amazing, brother. And I I appreciate you for sharing your story. First of all, I appreciate you for everything you're doing, man. Because I can tell you're passionate about it. You're not somebody who's just fluff or none of that. Like this is just if everybody listening, this is our first conversation. This is our first time meeting each other, and I'm so inspired by your story. And I was inspired by it from afar. Thank you, man. Share your story, brother. Like it's inspiring me to get in it and do more and be positive. And I think it's so important for people to see this conversation. Man, there's people in my community that need to see this conversation. There's people in your community to see this conversation. My mentor, I don't know if you know, is Solomon Choi, CEO of 16 Handles. Yeah. My brother. Yeah. And he's, he's one of the yeah, he's he's good dude. He's good dude. Great dude. And he's one of the people who took a chance on me, man. Similar to like you right now, man. It was like, man, I'm gonna, you know, give you game. I'm gonna give you an hour a month. And that's my best, one of my best friends, man. Like, and and that's what I'm grateful for. And I'm grateful for you, brother. I would love to keep in touch, man. I'm glad to call you a friend now. And for everybody listening, this was so much game here. And for what he's doing and trailblazing and doing the things that he's doing, it once again, it's opening the doors for our kids. So we ain't got to go through the bullshit so we can stop playing the game. No more game, guys. Let's kill the game and restructure. This is what's happening with the pandemic. That's where we remote remote work and all these things, right? We get to dictate what this looks like now, but we have to speak up and we have to be passionate about it and we've got to help help others, guys. So that's what it's about. And I hope you guys took that away. Um, e man, it was it was an absolute pleasure, bro. I'm sure. uh, I'm honored to have this conversation with you, brother. I would love to have you on another time or anything you need. Anytime. Anytime you want, man. Anytime. No, brother. It's much love. So thank you again, guys. It's another great episode. Appreciate everybody for tuning in. Rakisha, Tommy. Ben, you guys are the best, man. Thank you for coming in on a middle of the day on a Monday when you <laughs> when yeah. you shift and all that, man. I love you guys. I appreciate it. And we got another episode this Thursday with Madison Butler. If you guys know Maddie, she's one of the realest people on LinkedIn. I don't know. Like, she's just so authentic. I don't need to know how the hell she does it. And we're going to get to it. So I'll see you guys next week. E, much love, brother. And thanks again for another episode of More Than a Title, guys.